Gays already with you, our family. I'm Hendrik. I'm in Cape Town, and we're talking theatre today. I'm chatting with uh, Sarah. Now you've got a very interesting surname. I do. It's an English one. Ellingworth. How, how English can you be? <laughs> I know. Well, I am actually English. So okay. Um, well, it's an old English name that I find everyone mispronounces. So I have how to do you spell pronounce it. It's it just Ellingworth, Illingworth. but people want to add in an S there, or okay. Ellingsworth, or they they want to say Ellingworth. I I, I don't mind really. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so, Sarah, you're a playwright. You've just written a play called Consume. Yes. This what is, is that all about? Um, so, this is my first play, and it's part of uh, Mishmash Moments, which is an LGBTQI production company. And they put out a call last year for scripts based on The Seven Deadly Sins. And when I saw that, I just knew I had to submit one for Gluttony because I actually came to South Africa for eating disorder treatment. And it's certainly like a topic that... I have done extensive personal research on and I've always wanted to write. I've done that thing where I've started things but never followed through because of the like anxiety of putting myself out there. Anyway, I submitted a play and they chose it for the gluttony one and mine's the first in the series that's being produced so it's actually out this month and they've done a wonderful job. I have to, it's been so lovely working with them. They've been so respectful and really keen to have my feedback and everything because I know some for some people where the writers aren't involved after writing. So they've been, and they've done it really justice, I would say. So, so usually when one sits and writes a play like this, you, yes. you kind of have the movie playing off in your mind as you do it. Yes. You imagine your characters and so on. Did it turn out the way you imagined or is it quite different? Well, it was a really interesting process. It's like I knew instantly what my ending was going to be. And then I had to sort of work out how I was going to get there. And it was very much a process of, letting it just come out as I wrote. And sometimes I'd do a scene and I wouldn't know what was going to happen in the next scene, but it all sort of came together. And it was a weirdly cathartic process because it is a fictional play, but there are so many personal autobiographical elements that have come into it that it was very healing for me and also quite uncomfortable I suppose it's like reading your journal on stage so when I saw it on opening night I was like I'm just uncomfortable that I've exposed myself this much <laughs> but I think with any good art you have to push yourself to be vulnerable so that I've had some feedback from people where they people were crying in the audience and saying you know like thank you for telling the story and so that moved me too because you know, it is a very personal story for me. Because that's what Mishmash seems to do, is they tell unusual stories that we don't yeah. always get to hear. Yeah, they do. In fact, the reason I heard about this was I saw Five Lesbians in a Quiche last year. And I loved it so much that I started following them on Facebook. And then I went to see their all-female cast of Othello at the Baxter last year. And because I was following them, I saw the call-out. And... I think because they are an LGBTQI company and the people who are doing it really care, they really care about the stories they're telling as well. And they care about the people they're working with. She was, I've been working with Regina and she's been so keen for me to be comfortable with the whole process, for me to feel not taken advantage of, all of that. So it's been a lovely experience for my first play, definitely. What's the next one about? I have an idea about the next one, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to step even more controversially. So this whole Seven Deadly Sins gave me an idea of just using the sins or the concept of the sins to inspire just ideas in me, even if it's not going to be part of the series. So I've gone to the last one, and I think 
I've got a theme, but I don't know exactly what's going to happen. But I'm I'm actually going to look at female porn use and female masturbation and female sexuality and all those things that people are ashamed to talk about. Because, you know, even on TV, it's such a big part of society that we say, all men masturbate and all men watch porn. But we assume women don't and or a lot of people do or they don't want to talk about it and a lot of people who won't you know and I grew up I had much older parents there was no talking about sexuality growing up and I was very lucky to find a group of I joined the feminist book group when I was like 20 something and the first book we did was Sheer Heights on sexuality and to sit in a room with women saying oh my god yes I don't come from just penetrative sex you know it was like oh my god so it's not just me or it's not just because people are so ashamed of these things and we like the same with the weight stuff and the food stuff we sit there and we go i'm the only one who does this i'm such a terrible person there's something seriously wrong with me and because we're ashamed of it, we don't go and get help and we don't go and talk to other people about it and if we talk to people i think the feedback i got from my play is not not everyone struggles with food addiction or that kind of thing but everyone struggles with an internal critical voice in, to one degree or another so we all have that voice that goes you fucking idiot why did you do that or you know you're you're not smart enough you're not good enough you're just not enough and we all have that but it it comes out in different ways either food alcohol workaholic sex just playing small with our lives I think it's an epidemic. It's why I'm such a big fan of Brené Brown, because she works with shame and vulnerability, and she's like got the word out there with her TED Talks and stuff, and I'm a really big fan of hers. And live theatre obviously has a, a big role to play in all of this, in, in addressing yes. these issues and, and you know talking about it in a kind of a very real way. Absolutely. In fact, earlier this month, I went to see Edward Albee's The Goat, or Who is Sylvia, and I've read that script before, but I never saw it performed. I think what's so amazing is, and why I like Edward Albee particularly, is that he touches on topics that we'd normally be too embarrassed to talk about. But for example, in that play, he, it didn't, it wasn't gratuitous. Like you didn't have the bestiology on stage, but a discussion of it and how it affects the relationships and the psychology. And that's really, so for my next play, if I do touch on those topics, that's how I want to do it. I'm not going to be like, because just having discussions about it is Mm. the most important thing. And... I've been in group therapy for years with various treatments for eating disorders and depression. And I've talked extensively about my issues, but there was something about having other people acted out on stage that was far more powerful and unsettling than just sitting and talking about it. It was like literally seeing parts of myself either from the past or because I would say I've gone through quite a lot of recovery and I was drawing on some of the past bits but yo it was in my face and I think that's why it's so powerful and I try and lighten it up with a bit of comedy as well but not at the expense I find a lot of um you know when you have films that are around a fat character it's often very self-deprecating humor the classic fat jokes and I really didn't want to do that so I wanted more physical comedy or just like absurdist comedy but I think It's like with representation, you know, if you grow up and you don't see anyone who looks like you on the screen, you start to think there's something wrong with you. And there are so many areas that that can come in, in terms of race, sexuality, but weight's a big one. I mean, if you look at most of the Hollywood films, the big girls are actually small by comparison. And actually, I don't know here, but in the UK, the average size of a woman is a size 16, which is, you know, quite curvy, but they're not represented. So you're constantly bombarded with these images of there's something wrong with me and I should be changing myself just to be acceptable at the very least, you know? 
and your play consumed, it addresses all these issues and it should be very interesting to watch. It does address all those issues. It addresses, I mean, the food addiction, but more the relationships, the toxic relationships that you have and the way that you feel about yourself can actually affect everything. So it's not always, you know, the situation, but how you feel about the situation and you end up creating the very thing you fear because you fear it. And yeah, so that kind of thing. But I don't want to give away too many twists. Okay. Sarah Illingworth is with me and her play Consume deals with... Food addiction, self-esteem, toxic relationships. Toxic relationships. Yeah, Yeah. we've all done that. That sounds like a a mishmash of themes (laughs) there. (laughs) So so tell me your personal journey. I mean, you told me earlier that uh, you've been through a lot of therapy and uh, have done a lot of work on this and it culminated kind of in the play as a kind of therapeutic thing for you as well. But your journey to get to this point. So I'm 35 now and I've actually been in therapy since I was 17. So that's over my half my life now. And I've suffered with eating disorders and depression most of my life. I've tried different treatment options and, and it came out as well and then it affected me very physically. So at my highest, I was at 190 kilos. So I struggled to walk and move and I tried so many different things. And uh, finally... A couple of years ago, I came out to South Africa to go to Montrose, which is an eating disorder clinic. And I stayed there for three months, which really helped. But I went back home. And I think, you know, when you've had an eating disorder for a really long time, you're not just going to fix it even in three months. So I came back again and I stayed long-term in um, a supportive living environment. I now live in a, an ashram. And I found being in South Africa has been so healing. It's like when I came to Cape Town, it just felt like home. And... I can look at myself and I can see the progress I've made, but it's, a, it's an ongoing, slow journey. There's no quick fix. And a few years ago, I couldn't have said this, but I don't actually regret any part of my life. And I've had some horrible parts, as I'm sure a lot of people have. But it's brought me to where I am. And I really feel like I'm meant to be here in Cape Town with my self-made family and now finally having the confidence to step into doing something that I've always wanted to do, which is right. And I love it here, but it's not a perfect happy ending and it never is. And I'm always a little skeptical when people do their transformation stories and suddenly life's perfect. No, it's not. Every life is supposed to be constantly learning and growing and expanding and I'm very grateful and proud of myself for how far I've come, but I've still got more to go. And Cape Town has really helped me do that and I'm very grateful for that. How much of your own story did you have to unearth to write this play? Oh, a lot. I mean, a lot. It's a, it's a fictional story, but all the elements are autobiographical, just in a different way. And in fact, some of the dialogue is true. So there's a line where someone says, you know, fat people need to take more care of themselves and wear extra makeup because people already think they don't care about themselves. So you've got to try extra hard to prove. Someone actually said that to me once. And it sounds, but I've, I've heard so many things in my life, you know, And people who mean well, but they're so frustrated that they don't know how to help me. And also the thoughts I've thought to myself, the situations, the way it's affected every part of my life. Yeah, I I drew very strongly on my own personal experience, which is why it's a little uncomfortable for me when I watch people watching it, because it's very personal, but I think you have to do that to connect with people. What did you learn out of this experience of... I've actually, I've learned a lot. It's really helped me reflect back on my journey and make certain decisions about the direction I'm going to go in the future. And also that you can put yourself out there and good things do happen from it. 
and that I want to keep taking risks to do the things I want to do. And even if they don't always work out, it's worth trying. I don't want to get to 80 and look back and be like, I really wish I tried that, you know? Now, you said earlier you you interested in writing some more for the theatre yes. as well. What did you learn about theatre and playwriting in this process as well? Oh, so much, because I would say the way I think is much more filmic. I have read plays and, and watched plays, but I did briefly work in short films more from production design. And so when I did that, I would turn up on set and the actors would already be done and it would just be filming it and refilming it. To see the whole process, and I was so lucky that I was allowed to sit in on all the rehearsals and sometimes give feedback, to see how the actors go from reading the script where they don't know what's going to happen to creating whole characters to blocking as well because it's a completely different process to film where the camera moves there has to be much more choreography to make it visually interesting I've learned so much and the director Bernie Jacobs she is amazing you can tell she's got so much experience in theatre both as an actor because the way she put it together she brought out bits that I didn't even realise that I'd like put into the play you know it had just been automatic and she brought them out amazingly yeah. That's always interesting when you give your little baby to somebody else and they have a completely different take on it <laughs> and look at it through a different lens completely. Yes, it was a really good exercise in handing over control, which isn't necessarily one of my best skills. Because at the very beginning, I would sit there going, and more if I filmed it, that I would be doing this and this. And obviously, when you write it, you write it, you see the facial expressions on these characters, and it's more like how I would do it. And there were uncomfortable moments for me watching that going, I don't know where this is going. And then seeing that it did work. But because each actor have to find their own character, you can't force them to mimic what you would have done. And I really feel like it's been a collaboration. And they've, I'm very proud of everything that they've done. I would definitely work with them again. Are you one of those writers who, an opening night, go, listen, there's one word I still want you to change. Don't say they, change me. <laughs> <laughs> precious like that? I think there's a tendency towards it, but I had to give it up because, you know, with live theatre, that's the other thing is there's some ad-libbing. So if they get nervous or if they change, you know, they have to have that freedom to do it. You can't run onto this, you know, stage mid play and be like, I think you forgot this word that I wrote so wonderfully. Um, <laughs> so there is... It does more. And I think I am a perfectionist. So if I was filming it as a film, I'd probably stop and make them redo it until they had the exact <laughs> right take. That's but, but I think that's a control thing for me. Mm. And it, it has been such a useful process handing that over and seeing what they've created because they brought out things that I couldn't have even imagined, you know. They're also talented, I have to say, yeah. And I'm not just saying that. They are and you can see this place coming up at the Baxter Theatre. And it is called Consumed, written by Sarah Edingworth. Thank you very much for chatting with me Thank today. Thank you very much. So uh, you can listen to uh, more interviews in the same line. We did quite a few with Mishmash Productions and several people attached to it for their various plays. Um, Consumed, I Am Trans, Transformed. These are all plays currently in production or coming up soon. There's also an Othello and a Romeo and Juliet coming up later in the year. So lots of interesting productions from Mishmash. You can go to to our website gaysaradio.co.za and find all the information there. From Cape Town, I'm Hendrik for Gay Essay Radio, where you are family.